Children's Choir. Well, good morning, Grace Commons. That was, that was not as good as the nine o'clock. Let's try that again. Good morning, Grace Commons. All right, good. Thank you. I need to be woken up. I feel like I lost at least an hour of sleep and about two hours of wakefulness so I didn't sleep through the alarm. All right, well, we're in this series, Upside Down Kingdom, and today we're going to look at really the father of our faith, Abraham, the founder of a kind of upside down way of understanding God's kingdom. So let's uh, begin. Uh, let, me, let me go grab my clicker, which I forgot. It's right here, and we will start. We're going to look at Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6. Let's hear the word of the Lord. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me, since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to, to him as righteousness. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Abram, for all of his humanness and his questions and how you entered his life and brought him to the end of his days, having fulfilled your promise to him. And now we pray, Lord, that you would show us from your word the truths that you want to press into our minds and hearts today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever doubted God's promise? Or maybe another way to say it is, are you ever afraid that God's promises are not true in your life? Well, if you have... You have a friend in Abram. In this text from Genesis 15, God is reaffirming his promise from Genesis 12. I am going to give you a land and a son, and through him all the families of the earth will be blessed. But this is a few years later, and Abram has been deeply disappointed. And so his answer is blunt. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's essentially this. How can I know that? And you might expect God to say, excuse me? But God patiently listens to Abram, to his doubts and to his fears. You see, the fact is that we in our human weakness have doubts and fears, and that is not going to change. 
The question is, what do we do with them? Abram is a model for us. His journey begins in chapter 12 when God calls him to leave his family and go to the land that he will show him. And in chapters 13 and 14, we see Abram growing in faith. But we also see him falling into doubt and unbelief and fear. In faith, Abram obeyed God's command to journey to a land that he did not know. But no sooner had he arrived than he was met with famine. And without any guidance from God, like, God, what do I do about famine? Abram panicked. He left the promised land and went to Egypt. And while he was there, in his fear, he lied to the Egyptians. He told them that his wife, Sarah, was his sister. And it's, that's a great story. Read it sometime. But through all this, God patiently teaches Abraham to continue to trust him, continues to give him food and material possessions and safety in all of his travels. But by the time we get to this text from Genesis 15, Abraham has hit a wall. He is tempted to doubt God's promises. Now I can relate to this, and everyone who knows God has seen God work in their lives in the past in a very clear way. But our memories fade, and we find ourselves afraid, tempted to doubt that God will come through again and again. There's a great hymn that puts the problem in a nutshell. Our God, our help in ages past, We've got that part, right? Our hope for years to come. That's where our doubts and fears come in. Can we really trust God for our future and for the future of the world that he has created and is redeeming? Well, back to Abram. Seven or eight years pass between the end of chapter 14 and the beginning of this passage from chapter 15. And there is no record of God speaking to Abraham during those years. No record of any miraculous inventions in his life. And time is passing, and Abraham is getting older. And more importantly, so is Sarah. They have no son, and you can just picture Sarah complaining. Maybe she was also complaining that they still lived in a tent. I know Carrie would never agree to live in a tent for that long. So Abram faces a classic crisis of faith, and it emerges in three questions. Will I ever have a son? Is your promise of the land really a sure thing? And will all the families of the nations really be blessed through my own children? Now, each of us have different questions for God. Think for a moment of your own personal questions. What promises of God seem long delayed in your life? How do you respond when God seems distance, distant from you? Or when his promises seem to have failed? Now let's look more deeply at Abraham's words. And here is my paraphrase again. Abraham calls out to the Lord, what can you give me to make up for this? No child, and I don't see any way out. Without a child, I can't have an heir. 
And without an heir, your promise will fail and a servant will inherit what I possess. And this land that you promise, I've already had to go to Egypt because of the famine. I'm still just camping out. You promised it, but it isn't mine yet. Can you relate? God can take our hard questions, our doubts, and our fears. You see, the opposite of faith throughout the Bible is not doubt, but fear. Fear that God is not who he says he is. Fear that he can't do, that he can't or won't provide, that he won't deal with our enemies, that he won't deal with our promises. Psalm 77, the psalmist has this poignant prayer. Are, you, are your promises at an end, O Lord? See, when we dig deeper into our fears, that part of the problem that we find is that we are projecting on God our experience with other human beings. And let's be honest, human beings let us down. Our family lets us down, our spouses let us down, our parents, our siblings, even our adult children let us down. I'm not going to tell, tell any stories on them, but it's true. We have learned through our lives that no human can be counted on all the time. But what about God? Can we trust him when the years drag on and we don't see the fulfillment of his promises in our life? That's our fear. And the and the source of that fear is fundamentally a lack of faith in God and his promises. God speaks directly into this fear to Abraham. Let's look more closely at what he says. He gives him first a command, fear not. And then three promises. The first is, I am your shield. The second, your reward shall be very great. And the third, your very own son will be your heir. God underscores his promise with a command, three promises, and a reminder. A command, fear not. Now this is the first time this command from God or Jesus appears in scripture. But it happens over and over again, over 30 times. God speaks these words, or Jesus speaks to the disciples, fear not, fear not. Whatever you're facing that makes you afraid, God is on it. He knows about it before you do, and he is working in your life to calm those fears. That's the unanimous testimony of scripture. And he does this with three promises for Abram. I am your shield. Now, Abram would understand that. A shield is something that's designed to protect you from the attacks of the enemy. But what does it mean that God is our shield? I think that God is saying essentially, Abram, remember who I am. Remember my character, that I am the one who is faithful to my promises. God made these, all of the promises to Abram to bless him. 
Jesus puts it beautifully in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, God delights to do us good. It's, he cannot not bless us. It's in his character. He will protect us with his shield. He gives him a second promise. Your reward shall be very great. Now, Abram has received already many rewards. He has a growing list of material possessions, flocks and herds and everything else. But God wants him to go deeper than simply a relationship of receiving those kinds of material rewards. He wants Abram to go to a deeper level of faith. The way Jesus puts it is he says he is the pearl of great price. What Jesus and God are saying is that the reward of being in relationship with me may not feel as good as something you can put in the bank, but it is far better. The joy that is yours is beyond imagining. And the third promise that God gives to Abram is that your very own son shall be your heir. Now the command, fear not, and the first two promises are true for all people of faith. This promise, however, is very personal to Abram. Now, from a human standpoint, it may look impossible, but God tells Abram that he will become a father through Sarah and that he will have a son, not Eliezer of Damascus. And to reinforce this third promise, God gives Abram a powerful reminder. He takes him out into the night sky and he says, look at the stars, if you can count them, so shall your offspring be. Now for many years, I didn't really understand this because I would go out at night and I would see a few stars, the really bright ones, but all the city lights would obscure him, the, the stars. But all I had to do was go backpacking in the high Sierra and get away from the city lights. And you could see what seemed like thousands of stars. Abram could see with his naked eye over a thousand stars. Astronomers tell us that we can see with the latest technology 73 sextillion stars. A thousand is, makes the point. But the point is immense. Every evening you can go out and look at the stars when you're tempted to doubt in God's promises and have an awesome visual reminder of the certainty of God's word. God is saying the very reason I brought you was to give this land to you and your offspring. Remember that. Abram is unconvinced, and so God gives him a final powerful reminder, a symbol. You can read about it in the rest of chapter 15, verses 8 through 21. It's an elaborate description of a common Near Eastern ritual. They take a three-year-old animal, they cut it in half, 
and then you walk through the animal. And each side to the agreement makes a promise in the blood of that sacrifice that they will never break the covenant, the promise. Now that doesn't speak powerfully to me. I don't know about you. It sort of grosses me out. But for Abram, God is using the most powerful metaphor he can to show that he is faithful no matter what happens to us in life. This is how they made binding legal contracts in the ancient Near East. The message was, may this, what happened to this animal, happen to me if I don't fulfill my promise. This became so clear to me one day when I was talking to my dad. He'd retired and I was asking him, I was very curious, because he would never tell us about his work when we were growing up. He had sort of loosened up a bit. He was a lawyer. He and he told me a story about one of his clients who was a, just let's just say a muckety-muck. And this client, uh, very demanding, ran a big company, wanted the contracts that my father wrote for him to make sure the other party fulfilled every single jot and tittle of the contract. And so my father thought for a while, and this is how he responded. He said, well, I can do that, but that means the contract will bind you just as it does your client. It's a binding contract. But look at Genesis 15. Read it this afternoon. There's only one party to the contract who walks between the animals, and that is God himself. In this way, God makes clear that the fulfillment of his promise, his covenant, rests entirely on him. It's also a powerful foreshadowing of the future sacrifice of God's son. Jesus Christ. There's another important point in the story. Abram is fearful because of the delay in God's original promise. But God doesn't say to Abram, in the future there will be no more waiting. I'll fulfill my promises right away. Just the opposite. Think about what will happen to the offspring of Abraham. 400 years in bondage in Egypt, 40 years wandering in the desert, all before the promised land will be theirs. It's as if God is saying to Abram, you need to learn this lesson of waiting in faith so that your descendants can learn it too. Someone who has grown up in our church, Heidi Potter, has a video that tells this same story of waiting for God's faithfulness. Let's watch it now. <laughs> 